was preparing for this week, I really felt it was just a word for the remnant. Just, just, just a few people, you can. Like, sometimes Jesus spoke to the masses, sometimes he spoke to the few, and I really felt it so just about the anointing, to grasp what it is, to receive the anointing. If you, even if you're new here, the anointing, as soon as you get saved, part of God's family, his eternal family, and he fills you, oh, Holy Spirit, and as we, as Elsa shared last week, he gives you gifts, right? And each one has a gift to bring. Sometimes it's gifts, or pastor, preacher, teacher, the ministry gift that you would see, but sometimes there's gifts. Just being kind is a gift, according to Romans. Isn't that amazing? Being kind is a spiritual gift being by God. But why carry something? And this whole week, I've been stuck on six verses. So I followed on last week was Naaman, if he wasn't here, the healing of Naaman. And I'll just keep reading. Six verses. So Monday, get up, read six verses. People might, you might think, you, you read a lot of the Bible. You've got to, it's your job, okay? When I first got saved, I read a lot of the Bible. My original Bibles downstairs, I'd go at fair, my granny, Antine Challenge, I just highlighted. Can okay? you, you first feel so God speaking, you highlighted, I, re- I read it a lot. Uh, you might be thinking, oh, what I say, I don't really read my Bible these days. That's never what I say, right? I didn't read so much, but I read, it's, it's changed for me. I think there's a right way and a wrong way to read the Bible, you just got to read it. But it's not to do with the amount, it's to do we meditating on it, right? So uh, I could read the Halo Matthew, and I really never get much of it. But see if I was to just every day meditate on his word, day and night, if I was just to take the prodigal son, and every day walk and think and pray about the story of the prodigal son, how I'm included in that story, if it means to be lost, if it means the journey back to salvation, if it the father means in the celebration, if I put the elder brother that was really annoyed at the party and the father saying, look, you could have hint at this. He just didn't want it. If it is all that mean, it's like meditate on his word. And so this week, you might be astounded or less astounded to hear, I've read six verses consistently in the morning, in the night, in the morning, in the night, when I've been out for walks, I've been thinking about praying about it. I had a long car journey on Friday, away to the storm died down, and then I had a training uh, morning in Paisley. Started at half past nine. Thank you, Scotland, Elam, for starting something at half past nine in the morning in Glasgow, okay? So I didn't, I didn't get better towards Elam, it's just the way it is. So, long car journey, six verses just gone through. What does this mean, Jesus? What does this mean? And then. A little lesson in booking a travel lodge, right? So I booked a travel lodge. I was a £40 um, travel lodge. A 70, £80 travel lodge. Because I'm a Duthie and a Scotsman, I'll go for the £40 travel lodge. And I care for it. So I just need to put my head in at night. Well, when I turned up and seen a security guard in the travel lodge, I thought, hmm, not sure if this is right. Stank a really strong weed. The, the car park to the maybe should I got myself out there. Anyway, I had a really crazy night's sleep with weird dreams of actually consolation, but I didn't smoke any weed. Okay, so a lesson if you see a 40 pound travel lodge and a couple of even 10 mile away in for an extra 20 quid, go for the extra 20 quid, save yourself a bit of weird smells throughout the night. Anyway. This is a really insignificant story. This is an insignificant, seemingly insignificant miracle in 2 Kings chapter 6. It's about an axe head falling and it coming back, right? Far thinks that's just, wow, that's a great sermon to preach at. Like the leper getting healed, that's a good preach. Like that's easy. Some Lazarus dying and rose again, that's... That's a great preach, but there is nothing insignificant about stories in the Bible, and sometimes, that's why I have six verses, come on, Jesus, what do you want to teach your church about six verses, about somebody that lost an axe, then gained an axe, amen, God bless you, let's go home. Now I'll read it, I'm going to pick out a few points. <clears throat> One day, and I can't if it's up on the screen. There we go. One day, 
the group of prophets came to Elisha, right? Elisha's like their Jesus, okay? You get Jesus and the disciples. Elisha's, he's moving in signs, wonders, and miracles. He's a prophet. He hears God. He declares the word of God. Things happened and things changed. So he's got his school of prophets, Runabuam. One day the group of prophets came to Elijah and told him, as you can see, the place where we meet with you is too small. Let's go down to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs. There we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them, go ahead. Please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said. So he went with them. When they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried. It was a borrowed axe. Verse 6, where did it fall? The man of God asked. When he showed him the place, Elijah cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. Then the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elisha said, and the man reached out and grabbed it. An interesting story. So you've got Elisha for hears for God declares God's word to the nations. You've got his school of prophets for they come to him and say, hold on a minute, see, see the place that we're, we're, we're staying we're feeling that it's restricted. We're feeling enclosed. There's room for growth. And Elisha says, yeah, you got a point. Let's go for it. The prophet had says, look, we've already spied out. There's a place doing aside the Jordan. It's always significant in the Bible. And uh, will you come with us, Elisha, and help us build? And he says, yeah, let's go for us. It's time to expand. And then there are chopping doing the trees. One dude, one guy, just let it slip. And uh, he said, oh, God, it was a borrowed, it wasn't even mine. And uh, Elisha came, cut another bit of stick, put it on the river, axe head comes to the top, they get on with the job. Here's a few thoughts on this. What I was thinking in the car, what I doing, is Elisha knew, as the prophets knew about the times and the seasons that they lived in. He knew the school better than anybody. He knew the forest better than anybody. He can't for they were ah, he can't the amount of people. My big question was, why did Elisha never recognize this amazing prophet of God, this Jesus-like character? Why was it near his idea? It would have been a good preach if Elisha had said, Elisha knew that there was a moment of restriction, so they moved them forward, because that would have been very easy, because that would have been like, when Jesus sees the church in a time of restriction, he commands the growth, because Jesus isn't a church anointing and growth. You came that church is a movement, and a monument. God was always looking for a movement, when he guided the Israelites through the wilderness, they stayed a while, but then they was constantly on the move. The birth of the church, through the power of the Holy Spirit, it was a movement. They went from place to place, preaching the Word of God, got persecuted, thrown into prison, some beheaded, but it was a movement. You are sitting 2,000 years later through a lot of geography because it's now a monument. The Jesus, it's now a Jesus monument, it's a Jesus movement. It was never meant to remain still in Negro. The, come on, God will build his church, it will move, and the gates of hell will not prevail. That's corporate movement, and there's individual movement that God has called me to grow as a Christian. It would have been a great preach if Elijah it says to the prophets, because he's the wise guy, he's the all-knowing one, he's the guy that's connected to the Lord, we're restricted, it's time to move. But Elisha was silent. This great man of God said nothing, 
even though he knew there's room for growth and we need to move. He waited until the Christians that was with him came to him and they realized themselves we need to grow. We are feeling restricted. We need to move. It's one thing for Jesus to command you, you need to go, you need to move, and I'm the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you need to listen to me. It's another thing when Jesus doesn't say a word, yet he knows you're restricted, and he waits, and he waits for the church, and he waits for you to realize on your own I need a move. I'm feeling restricted. My spiritual growth is stunted. The pandemic years restricted us. Yes, we preached good sermons that the church building wasn't the church, that we were the church. Yet missions stopped, clubs stopped. Coming together and worship stopped. I believe it's time again for the people of the church to go before the throne room of God and be bold enough and be courageous enough because we're always waiting for God to move. And God's saying, I'm waiting for you to realize you need a move. I'm waiting for you, Ruth, to realize you need an awakening. Because God's already said you need Him. God's already said you need the power of the Holy Spirit. It's one thing to read it in the Word of God. La, la, la. It's how the promises are. Yes and amen in Christ Jesus. But it's another thing for you come to a point in your life and you get real. And you then go to, you can go to Jesus be anything. And we think, God cares nothing. I don't need to pray. I don't need to do anything. He'll just do it. If He wills it, He'll do it. He doesn't need let alone me. Yet, if you feel God is silent in your life and you're feeling restricted, you should really go to Him and say, Jesus, you know everything. I'm feeling, Jesus, that we need a move of the Holy Spirit here. And I want you to come into my scenario, into my situation. I'm feeling restricted. Sin restricts us. Things we can watch restrict us, doubt restricts us, sin restricts us. The world is out to get us as a Christian, can restrict us, or end self pride can restrict us because we think we've got our together. Yet, if you come at a place or restriction and you're feeling, I'm not feeling that I used to feel in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I'm not feeling the growth. So I've gotten a bit of stale. I remember when I used to highlight my Bible every day. So I just going, hmm, I've settled. The prophets, listen, the prophets might have been okay settling. And Elisha might never have said a word. They're still loved. They're still saved. They're still in a safe place. You didn't want an awakening. I want to really move in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to be refreshed. You can something. You're still loved. You really are loved beyond your wildest imagination by Jesus. He died for you on the cross still. You're still heaven bound. The story of the prodigal son in the pig's pen, he was still a son. He never never became a son. The celebration was, I'm coming back. And Jesus would still love you. And he would care for you. And he would know you and you would be intimately known. So this is not a salvation message. This is a message of, do you want to really move? Do you want to really go beyond what you presently experience? Do you want to touch 
the first love heart again? Do you want the fire to burn if you feel as though it's been diminished? Are you feeling as though that's ah, just gotten settled, restricted, and normal? You're used to Jesus being in the house. They were used to Elijah, and they could have just settled, but they were looking for something greater. They were looking for something more. They were looking for something to expand. They were looking for church growth. I believe I'm in a company of people that are just looking for more. They're sick and tired of being restricted in the spirit when God says who the sun sets free is free indeed. Stories of awakening and revival is amazing to hear about that university that started in a prayer meeting, a worship session, and days and days have gone, and God is meeting them every single day, and people are queuing for miles. It's amazing, but far as there's people that would say, I want to be part of that movement. I want to, I'm being restricted here. I want to be part of the Shekinah glory of God that transforms people's lives, young and old. We might see it in the spirit, but we need to see it in reality. And God is birthing a people that's got to be sick and tired of being restricted. The spirit of religion restricts us when you think that the Jesus movement is all about do's and don'ts, and I'm a Christian because I do go to church, I do go to the bingo, and I do these stuff like this, I do these stuff, and it's all working your words towards, working your way towards some move of the Holy Spirit. No, the foundation has got to be His love. You are dearly loved by the Beloved. He sets you free for the, the power of sin and shame and for the law. I ain't got time to explain the hell power of the law. The law is trying to gain God's favor, trying to mark him smile by working, 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 working. When Jesus said it is finished on the cross, he disarmed the powers of the enemy, he said the law is finished. I'm pleased with you. You're part of the family. And I'm a Christian because I'm loved by the beloved. I go to church because that's where God's people meet. I give because I'm blessed enough to give. It's by grace, through faith. There's a gift from God. They start to finish the whole gospel message about Jesus. Now, if I stand before Him, a holy Father, I'm not going to stand on my own righteousness. How dare I? And say, I, I, I was a good church attender. God, can I come in? I was just really, really faithful. When I stand, it will be by the grace the grace, the grace and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ that took up my sin and shame and put on us His righteousness. And we stand before Him loved and the Beloved. But yet there is more to experience on earth. Are you Wima? We need to break this thing of restriction and chains by the power of Jesus. It's got to come through a company of people that will recognize it within themselves. You've got to recognize it within here that, hold on, um, I want more. You are going to feel it your own. You don't need me to tell you. You don't need to get on it external. You will feel it a yearning or more. These people will be keen to break through present strongholds and present places they will not settle for further art. They'll be evangelistic, ap apostolic. God will be guiding them. As you can see, the place where we meet with you is too small. Let's go down to the Jordan River. There are plenty of logs or supplies there. They can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them, go ahead. They said, please come with us. It's like us. We want to grow, but we want Jesus in every part of the growth. They wanted to grow, but then I said, Elisha, you just put your feet up. We'll just go and cut some logs. You, you take, we want Eli they wanted Elisha. We want Jesus to be part of every single bit of church growth, didn't we? We want Jesus. He's like, please come with us. It's a Moses thing. If you're not with us by your presence, we didn't want to go into the promised land. All right, he told them, go ahead. Please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said. So he went with them. When they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. One of them was cutting a tree. His axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried. It was a borrowed axe. The whole company of people went. You'd have been some within that company that was incredibly gifted, some a bit more shy, some extravagant, some timid, 
but let's go. Every single one that was there, let's go. And they all got an axe. It's the togetherness of the gospel, that together we go. God puts a high price on unity and being together. And I get it. Some people in here are further mature than others in Jesus. Some are new to the faith. Some have no idea if I'm even speaking about you're just here by the skin of your teeth. But yet, whether you're strong in the Lord, whether you're weak in the Lord, we want to take Abdi with us on the journey. We don't want people to be sitting up playing their Xbox while there's other people wielding an axe together. Together we come, together we fight. And there is an absolute war going on. It's in plain sight. That there's a God that loves his church and is looking for people to be saved and believe in Jesus. There is a devil that hates God and we are a reminder that we are made in the image of God and Jesus paid the price and defeated him on the cross for our souls eternally to be saved. There is a war going on. Do you, do you see that? That there's an actual spiritual war going on that used to be hidden, but it looks more plain sight than new than it used to be. People are becoming actively vocal about the Word of God, actively worshiping Satan and on your TV screens. I don't want to go on a Sam Smith bashing agenda thing here, right? But if you've seen, was it the Summer Awards Ceremony, he was dressed in red with devil's horns in plain sight for millions of people to see while other little demonic uh, dancers bowed down in front of him. You kind of look at that and say, that's a nice tune. That's a nice tune. He guy's got something. He's catchy. He's, he's got a good voice. You've got to look at that and think, hmm, that's pretty demonic. You don't really need to read lots of your Bible to realize that would never have happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I'm not saying this. I'm saying this so the church realizes we are in a battle. And each one of us we, we, we come to the battle like, we are knocks. We, a day is a bad day to annoy me, I've got to say. <laughs> because all these people came willing to work, willing to be favored teen, but they all had an axe to gain the territory. Because they realized I'm sick of restriction. We need to go. We an axe. I'm feeling quite tough just now. <laughs> and chop down some trees. You came here today. You thought you were coming to a church service. You wield an axe. Okay, I'll try aside. You thought you came to a church service this morning just to be a kind person and meet a person at the front and smile. Do you realize if it's in your hand, you came with an axe. You came to destroy the work of the enemy. You came, and it might have cost you to come, and it might have cost you to drag your kids out of bed, and it might have cost you a little bit of time, but you came here this morning with an axe because you want to see a move. You came here with an axe because you thought, I could bide in my bed, and I could listen to the sermon on YouTube and catch up. But that's not good enough for some because they need to be here with their brothers and sisters because we're in a war. And I find war, nothing creates unity than a time of war. Because if the enemy was to land on our shores, a physical enemy, all differences would be set aside 
Today we, everything, our political differences would be set aside. We'd be joining with the unlikeliest people in this community because it's a time of war. The reason the church is so divided against itself is they have no idea we're in a time of war. And I've got an axe to wield. Oh, if it's a sin, I've got an axe to grind. <laughs> I have genuinely got an axe to grind against spiritual forces. When you realize the reality of the book and you read the story of Revelations, and you can fit its stick, and you can there's a war going on, and you can that Jesus came and paid the price for every soul on the face of the planet, and you can the scriptures, <sighs> kingdoms suffer violence, but the, he's got to raise up people of warfare. It's got to be violent in the opposite direction. And sometimes the church has been too namby-pamby and too nice and too leave it to God and His will. Our job is to be nice. Our job is to do war. Our job is to fight the good fight. The Apostle Paul never says, I've got to, well, I tell you how to be a great Christian. Be nice. He says, fight the good fight. Understand I'm not about fighting people. I'm on about spiritual warfare. I'm on about praying. Every time you pray, you come with an axe, and there's a tree before you, and you hit that thing, because you want to see progress and growth. Every time you don't feel like coming here, yet you turn up, you come with an axe, and you've got to keep chopping, because you want to see movement. And you realize you're in a battle. Every time you feel it, so I am, that's Mark's near sense. Look, I can even turn the Bible with an axe. <laughs> I'm running out of hands. You come with an axe. There's a few things I would say about yielding the axe. When I got married and moved into 15 Williams Crescent, I got a beautiful thing called a fire. Just an open fire, a coal fire. It's just a great invention, right? I had another thing at the back of my house called trees. The trees are renowned for being good fuel for the fire. Right, so for, I'm nearly long married, cut my bit of grass, Ken. I got myself an axe. Now, why Ken that they'd invented chainsaws and all that? But I'm a man's man. You got my. You didn't even believe in that, yeah. <laughs> You're not a man's man. <laughs> I said to Isabel, I, I got to cut down trees to fuel the fire. She said, when are you get a chainsaw? Because I'm a man's man. And I've got an axe. I felt there was something really manly about fit I was a white do. To go to the back garden like some caveman, macho caveman, cut down trees, and if I didn't, my poor children would catch the call and be freezing or maybe catch hypothermia. So I thought it was a really manly thing to say and do. So I got my axe. This isn't my axe, this is a borrowed axe. I've lost my axe. And I started hitting. One day I tried to cut down a tree with an axe. Just me. Come on, I was going to be somebody else. Nobody here. Come on, man. Callum, James, none of you. No, never tried it. No, one single person is ever. Graham's got something going on, do now. Chance, ah, yeah. <laughs> Knew it. <laughs> Saying nothing. So, man's men do we axes. And Graham does it with a chance, ah, right? So. I was hitting and hitting and hitting. There's a few things I would recommend. If you are trying to do a tree with an axe, what you need is to be very intentional. You will not cut down a tree with an axe by accident. It's to be really, you might do a chainsaw by accident, you have to be really intentional about every swing that you hit against 
the tree. The tree doesn't come down by accident. Every move you are marking, you are hitting, you are seeing if it's coming off, and then you decide, okay, I'll go for an upward movement. I'll go for a doing. You're just looking for the thing to fall. It doesn't have to look pretty. It might get messy, but you realize you've got one job. The tree must come down. God has equipped his people according to Corinthians. Nesom, all his people, with the Spirit of God, for works or service. Read Corinthians 12, 13, 14. It speaks about the ministry of the gospel, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that God equips every single one of you that is saved for works or service. Do you believe that? That's good. Because a lot of churches just think there's a few that's anointed and the rest are spectators. There's a few pastors and evangelists that are really, really anointed. The rest are spectators. You need to realize that you are now a spectator. That you have got an axe to grind. And you need to be intentional. A move of the Holy Spirit in your life doesn't happen by accident. It happens through intentionality. About prayer. About discipleship. About coming along, and little by little, the wires of the enemy are tumbling. It's about togetherness. It's about vision. I'll go in, Matt. I probably got a few swings, then gave up, and went and got a chainsaw, and did the thing doing easily. But when you're hitting. You have to see in the mind of your heart that that tree is fallen, even when it's now fallen. <sighs> a lot of people believe in revival and church growth and awakening. Believing that will happen, I don't think it's got to be enough. You've got to hear your axe to grind in your hand Forever that is, why is this important, the anointing of the Holy Spirit? It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's a, God, for you want the breaker anointing, I just pray or declare, I use this term, Jesus is the anointed one. Would I need to name the different anointings? He's the anointed one. When I am anointed, it's because I have stepped in to far he is in reality. I'm not chasing the anointing. I have just realized I'm at one with Jesus, the anointed one, and have a relationship with him. If you have that, you have the anointing of the Holy Ghost, the axe, working through you, the Holy Spirit in your sermons, the Holy Spirit at work in your kindness, the Holy Spirit in your teaching, the Holy Spirit in your work of faith. So as you utilize and be bold enough to keep chopping, you will see progress. And it's going to come through a bunch of people that have a vision to see it happen and then I stop halfway through. <sighs> Many people stop halfway through. They break through, they break through, they get disappointed, and then the devil whispers in their ear, just be doing the axe. Just be doing the axe. Just stop turning up. Just stop praying. Stop reading the word of God. It's confusing to you. You can't, you didn't get it. Many people, at this point, the tree has not tumbled yet. You started. You mean to continue. And the devil wants you just to put down your axe because he can. It's the potential that God's put in you to see fruit for his kingdom. You can. He can. the potential that God has put on you to see destiny released in other people. He can. the story 
and the success that your story could mark against his work in the favor of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Fan did the devil try to snuff out Moses? Fan did the devil try to snuff out Moses when he was a baby? Pharaoh annihilated the newborn boys because he can't trouble is coming. There's a deliverer and need him to pit down the axe in that family. But praise God for Moses' parents and a loving sister. If I says, okay, I'm putting the care of my newborn child into the care of God within the river Nile. And then the story goes that Moses grew up and became the deliverer of Israel and said to Pharaoh, let God's people go. Let him go now. Pharaoh didn't even care. He tried to snuff Moses out as a child. Interestingly, when did the devil try to snuff Jesus out? When did he try to snuff Jesus out? Was it just in the 40 days of temptation? Yeah, because there was another genocide of baby boys. You can't find it was. Then Jesus turned up on the scene through the virgin birth. Oh, the cries were heard of the mothers. Because the enemy knew there's a deliverer being born. And if I can get, if I can get them a pit doing the axe, they'll stop believing. They'll stop turning up. They'll stop being effective in the ministry. They might want growth, but they'll never see it. Because they've put down the axe, they've worked a while for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and they've laid it down. And if you ever tried to cut a tree with an axe, you can't know how hard it is, but if you've ever tried to cut a tree without an axe head and just working with a blunt axe, you'll be standing there a long time before you even get a bit of sadness to disappear for the tree. Because the devil knows <sighs> the anointing. There's a power in the anointing. When people yield to the anointing, believe for the anointing, want to be filled with the anointing, want to move in the anointing, want to see God's kingdom come and will not stop till they see God's kingdom established. For I will say, enough is enough. I've got an axe to grind. We've got an enemy that's very real. About dragging our kids away to a lost eternity. If you got a idea about it. Why you got an idea about it? We've got an enemy that's very real, that hates you. I'm not trying to scare you, please, again, those young people. And we don't speak like us. There's a bunch of Christians that surrender their axes. But I want to be a bunch, part of a bunch of a company of people that will say, hey, I've got an axe to grind. And I'm going to come in the power and the anointing of the Most High God, indeed for I can deem the power of the Holy Spirit to see the kingdom of the Lord come. It's a battle of the kingdoms. Jesus came with a kingdom. He says, hey, repent for the kingdom of heaven has arrived. Invaded. You want God to invade. You see how Jesus showed up and says, I have came to invade. The kingdom of heaven has arrived and it's at hand. And when he's seen something dead, the kingdom of heaven came to cause it to live. When he's seen a disappointed widow burying her only child, the kingdom of heaven came upon them and made things live. We are in a battle of two kingdoms. The kingdom of heaven. You're not scared, are you? You're not scared, are you? Are you fashioned for war? You ready? David says this. King David says, he has fashioned my hand for warfare. He didn't say, he didn't mean in God through history has learned my, I would kill people with a spear. It was a psalm to, we can read and we see warfare. Almost every page of the Bible has got warfare in it. So we can say, God, would you fashion our hands for war? Didn't disqualify yourself. For the Lord's army, even the youngest in here, you are part of the Lord's army. Even you and just went through the battle and you're, well, I'm at the, maybe at the end of my life, maybe I'm retired. Da, 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 da. We need you. 
We need you. We need you with the axe in your hand fighting with us. We need you. Remember um, Braveheart's one of my favorite movies. I've now got my guess of Scotland-England divide. I'm going to close soon. That's why we're meeting with the men in a few weeks. We want the men. We're natural warriors, right? So, <laughs> William Wallace, with his great speech, his rousing speech, funny, so why I lead the hell of Scotland against the enemy. Speech that made other nation that the hairs on your back, your neck would stand up. And he was like, if you can give every day from this until your last, you would look back. And you would have given every day from then till now just to go. And he basically says, to make a difference, to defeat the enemy. And then one of his pals says, that was a really good resounding speech. So for you what I do knew, for you gone, William. And he says these words. Huh. And he looks at scary, we on Binton Mask. I'm going to pick a fight. It's about time the church realized fit is to take the axe, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and take the fight for it counts. To be intentional, to be deliberate, to be a voice for a generation so that our young people will look up to us and see warriors that fought the good fight. And one guy, one guy dropped his axe, and this is the hope, and I'm going to end here. One guy dropped his axe. Oh, sir, it was a borrowed axe, like I said. Where did it fall? If the church would want to ask only question, where did we lose it? You see the roots, the move of God, the Holy Spirit. We see the history of revivals in Scotland. We see that we sent missionaries across the globe. It's a good question. Where did it fall? Where did we lose it? Why does the world look at us so weakly? We're supposed to be the champions of the living God. Why do they go to psychics and fortune tellers for spiritual experiences. Why did it go there when the church is supposed to be the most ruthless, dynamic, spiritual power force on the face of the planet? People are supposed to come, get connected to the spirit force of God, or Yahweh. Where did it fall? Where did it fall? Where did it slide? Was we careless? This guy was maybe just din 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 got careless. Did we lack the vision? Did become weak? Did we lack perseverance? But hey, we're still here. We're still here. And Elisha said this. He, he cut a stick. Maybe he borrowed somebody else's axe. Threw it into the water at the spot. Then the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elisha said, and the man reached out and grabbed it. I'm finishing with this. He cut a stick. And he placed it for it was lost. Wherever it was lost, he put this stick. See, that's at the bottom of the water. He put the stick for it was lost. And hey, I love the miracles of the leper getting healed. I love the miracles of dead people becoming alive. That's a peculiar miracle, I will say. But then the axe head began to float gravitating towards the stick that Elisha put on in. And then Elisha says, here it is, you've lost nothing. Grab it. You might have lost out for a while, but it's near the end of the story. For me, the stick, I've met with two men recently, both of which has mentioned the cross hanging there. The cross, just coming in and seeing the cross on a Sunday. Something about the cross, isn't there? We sang it last week, the old rugged cross. There's something about this cross. I believe that this story is pointing to this. If you have lost it, 
There's a way through the cross to regain it. And it's not just about believing in the cross and seeing the cross. It's once you apply the cross to your life, you feel restricted. You feel as though you've lost the anointing. You feel as though you're putting a lot of effort for little success. You feel as though you had a vision for the Lord and you have lost it. I want to tell you the good news, that there's a power in the cross of Calvary. If we were just as a church, far did it go? But Jesus, we want the power of the cross to be evident in our life. The suffering that Jesus suffered to be applied to our life. The hope of the cross to be applied to our lives. The love of the cross to be applied to our lives. The blood of Jesus to be applied to our life. I'm not asking you, do you believe in God? Because it says the enemy believes in God and shrieks. I'm asking you, do you want the power of the cross to come upon your life? And re- I'm wielding the axe while I'm saying this. It's maybe a scary moment for you. Good job my hands are not too anointed. That's got to slap out. Great things can happen again in your life. I feel as though I'm speaking to a remnant that have came through restriction. They want to see more. And they there's a power of the cross here that comes in hand in hand with the anointing. We don't want to skip all the sacrifice of Jesus and just hear a wild Jesus party in the anointing. For Jesus has said, I've given you a stick. I've given you a cross. It's time to sharpen your axe. It's time to get to work again. It's time to move in that anointing again. Do you want the power of the cross to be applied? It will cost you. It's a narrow way. It's a way of sacrifice. You might have to drag yourself out of your bed sometime to be here, to be in the place of prayer. But yet, it's a way of the cross. Wide is the way. Wide is the path that leads to destruction. Narrow is the path that leads to life. you got to grab it. you got to grab this opportunity and say, Jesus, apply the power of the cross to my life. Let's stand. Elisha's final words was grab it. Like, I just love that prophetically. We hear a lot, but things are only effective if we grab it in the Spirit and get in our hearts. People can come and listen to the same message time and again, and forget about as soon as they leave and get on with our lives. We've really only got you here for two hours on a Sunday morning. It's as effective as as much as we can grab here to use when we're out with here. You got me? Like it's now much time for a life transformation considering the other things we do with our time. Two hours on a Sunday is it's really near a long time to affect the rest of your life or rest of your week, or even the rest of your day, because when you leave here, you're what ahead dinner and probably watch something else. But yet, this is a divine moment if we can grab a few things. If we can reach out, if we can admit a few things, if we can wait upon Him and invite the worship team to come up. I'm going to ask for a response for people that really want prayer. I'm going to ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Where did we lose it? Why did the work continue and we'd seen little progress? Speaking about the church in Scotland. Maybe somebody isn't here, just resonate with the first part, I just feel restricted. I don't want to come out for a restriction. And you'll need the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the axe, to see forever you want to see in God. Some of you maybe longer through that process. Yet you feel as though you've dropped the axe. You believed for the harvest before, you've seen some progress, but something happened. Something happened. 
he became less intentional. He used to waking up in the morning and pray in the Spirit. Something happened. Something stole your joy. Knocked that axe out your hand. He used to be so thirsty for Jesus. He used to come in feeling the joy of the Lord before he even came into the house of the living God. He used to come with our joy of Jesus. But something happened. There's a something that happened that knocked the spiritual stuff out of you. Just a moment of downness. Something fell. You feel so the glory days are more before than the head than ahead. Then Jesus says, Hey, I'm not done with you yet. For there's a cross of Calvary that's still powerful. There's all powerful that dealt with the attacks of the power of the enemy in your life. Just apply it and grab it. And God would resurrect the church. God would revive and awake the church. And we would find it once again would be yielding our axes in the right direction. We'd be working together, near the sum, but the whole. They would get fed up by grinding axes with different Christians and different opinions and different theologies and different means to win the lost. And would become agreeable and say, let's work together to see his kingdom come, to see his will be done, to see strongholds of the enemy tumble. I'm simply going to ask if you want prayer this morning as we praise and worship. We're going to pray for people for the anointing, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of the cross. That's as far the work gets done from where they gather. If you want prayer, you just come forward. There's a ministry team, we've got to pray for you. And I can't if it's going to happen, I put no limitations. Apart from this, we're just going to pray our best prayers for you. Just God's best. The revival power of the Holy Spirit would be upon you. So Jesus, we come. We thank you that you're here. I thank you for every person here, my brothers and sisters in Christ. We long for a day of might, of power, in the life of the church. We long for a day of miracles. We long for an awakening. And we long for your anointing. We long for your presence. We ask in this moment that the power of the cross be applied to our lives. Life-changing power and nothing else but Christ glorified in our midst. As we worship you, we surrender to your anointing, and we are grateful to be found in the anointed one, Jesus Christ. As we worship, as we praise, feel free if you want prayer to come forward in our ministry team. We'll pray for you. We've got an axe to grind. We've got a kingdom to come. We've got a will be done. Let's see the warrior spirit released through the church and this nation. In Jesus' name.